Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Mitch Chulwinski. So Mitch is a sports scientist at the University of Texas and there he works with the American football team and he's specifically tasked with collecting and reporting field and weight room testing data. That includes the use of GPS and that makes him the perfect person today to discuss how you can link GPS data to how you can perform in the gym. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Mitch onto the show. So Mitch, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Appreciate you asking me to be on. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yes, I'm Mitch Chawanski. I'm the Associate Director of Applied Sports Science here at the University of Texas. Uh, I've been here for about a year. Um, started this journey about five years ago whenever I got to Uni- or Baylor University and started working on my PhD there. Since that time, I've worked with athletes all throughout the athletic department, mainly at Baylor and now primarily working with just football. And that's uh, American football, right? So it's not soccer or uh, <laughs> Australian rules or anything that, that it gets scored in different countries. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, I always forget to put that little uh, adjective in front of it. It is American <laughs> football. Excellent, mate. Excellent. So when, in your role there, what, what kind of stuff are you doing day to day? Because obviously it sounds, it sounds really good, like huge, huge role, huge uh, university. But what does that mean for you in terms of day to day tasks? I mean, primarily just all the data collection that we can get on our athletes, whether it be performance, health, or um, just kind of how we can help them get become better athletes. So for me, it's mainly GPS, force plates, motion capture. Um, we use Elite Form here as well, so we use barbell tracking as well. So pretty much anything that we can gather on these guys, we try to gather just to make sure we're progressing in the right way. And we're going to discuss the GPS stuff today as well, right? So when it comes to like measuring the GPS outputs of American footballers. Mm-hmm. Um, like how important is it to, to be measuring that kind of data? Because I imagine in terms of uh, things like injuries, things like uh, on-field performance can be super important. But mm-hmm. yeah, what, what does that mean to you guys? I mean, for us, to kind of just give us a roadmap, right? At a certain point, we need to know what we're doing and how we're doing it to prepare for the game, right? The biggest thing for us is it allows us to ask better questions. So not only... How long does the Ameri- or does the typical American football play last? Five to six seconds, and how much time is there in between? But now we can start to dive into really on a global scale. What do they do on a Monday or a Tuesday or on a game day on Saturday for me? Um, so it allows us to ask some better questions as we're going forward and just be able to help better prepare our athletes. And then when it comes to to using the the GPS, right? You've got obviously loads of different key performance indicators. It throws thousands and thousands of data points at you. What do you think are the things which are important to be measuring in American football? Because I can imagine if someone looks at the, the outputs at the start, they, they kind of go, oh, this is loads of stuff. <laughs> so what, what kind of things do you think are important? Yeah, I definitely remember remember uh, downloading my first file from Catapult and looking at it and seeing 1,500 markers. And that was only just on the, across the, crop of the top of the columns, right? We got – you have a p- data point for each period as well. So – these data files blow up massively. So the biggest thing for me is kind of looking into how much did we do? How well did we do it? What was the intensity of what we did? And how much did we cover, right? So basically try to, just like in the weight room, we try to hit all those buckets to make sure we're measuring the right thing so that we know what our athletes are doing as they go forward. And when we look at like specific KPIs, um, I imagine that differs per um, per athlete or maybe per uh, position, for example. So how do those things differ from the different athletes that you have? So, I mean, 
for American football, we range from our biggest guy. He's 6'6", 370. Yeah. And our smallest guy, <laughs> our smallest guy is 5'11", 175 on a good day, right? So those markers, like you said, range widely for these guys. So our big guys, as we look at it, the guys who are on the interior, our offense and defensive linemen, they need to be strong. They need to be powerful. But they also need to be quick and twitchy because they need to react to that ball being snapped, right? So they can't just be big rocks that are just sitting there. They need to be able to move. As we get onto the outside, we have our corners, our wide, our wide receivers, our safeties. Those guys need to be agile. Change of direction is going to be the biggest separator between a great athlete in football and an okay athlete in football. If you can be agile and react to that defender or that uh, offensive guy running at you, you're going to be, be a much better athlete. They also need to be highly coordinated because they need to run, track the ball, track the defender, track the offender, whatever it might be. And then be able to do all of that at the same time. And then we kind of get to the middle part where we have our linebackers, especially on the defense. They need to be a mix of all three. Or I'm, serious, I'm sorry, a mix of both for that. They need to be strong because they need to take on those 360-pound linemen that are coming at them. But then sometimes they need to run with a 220-pound running back that needs to go out to the field, right? So there's a big mix on the field, but at the same time, the stronger, more the strong or the more powerful and faster team is going to have the upper hand, but it's going to be kind of a blend of all three across the field. And do you then write three separate reports for those different position groups? Or is it is it like one big report and you kind of just select the data which is necessary? No, yeah, I go as I go as large as the team and then I go as granular as the individual, right? We're going to have different depths on our chart, right? So everybody practices during practice. Depending on how where you are in the depth chart, you practice a certain amount, right? So I really like to look at the individual. The position and the team helps out a lot for some of our position coaches and everything along those lines. But for me, I need to look at the individual. All right, did we do what we were expected to do today for that for that individual? But also, did that guy do too much or too little compared to what he usually does? And both are can be bad things. And both can be good things depending on what the plan was. And when you when you look at too little or too much, how do you determine what's too too little or too much? Because I imagine there's thousands of different ways that you could do that as well. So what what do you then use as a as a tool to make sure that your guys are, are not doing too little or too much? So my biggest thing is what have we done up to that point, and what is normal, right? So if we're looking at it from a day to day perspective, if I'm comparing Monday practice to Monday practice, I want to make sure that. If we're typically operating at 100, I need to make sure that we're not operating at 120. Because then at that point, we're going to get more fatigue throughout the rest of the week. Whenever we get to game day on Saturday, we're going to have some issues with some fatigue. But we also need to make sure that they're physically fit enough at the end of the week to go. So like I said, if we're operating on Monday at 100, and then this Monday we come in and we operate at 75, we're probably not going to have enough physical fitness as we get to the end of the week to make sure that we're operating at our prime on game day. It's a technical and uh, tactical piece as well. We need to be able to get our work in so we know the plays, we know the drills, we know our technique as we get into the game, right? So it's all a blend as we go forward. I can imagine it takes a, a lot of uh, communication between the staff members to get all that together, right? So how many staff members have you got to, to either back you up or to, to work together? Mm -hmm. What kind of staff are you talking about then? So here in Texas, we're lucky. Um, a lot of Division One football schools, I only have five strength coaches and then they have a sports scientist that's in that staff, right? So there's somebody on that staff that splits strength and conditioning responsibilities. 
and sports science responsibilities, or basically my job, right? Here, we're able to have, I'm not a part of the football five, as we call it in American college football. Um, I'm separate. So it's me, five strength coaches. I have a couple interns that have been helping me out a lot. And then we have all of our position coaches for each individual group. So it's a, big a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. And then also you add in too, the athletic medicine staff and the di- dietitians that we have. So the biggest thing for us is making sure that we're all on the same page and we're all able to kind of not only, so the message isn't only just coming from me, it's also coming from our dietitians, coming from our head strength coaches, coming from our, ath- our head athletic trainer. So we can make sure that the position coaches and the head coach all hear everything and that we're, we're trying to make sure that we're getting the message across to everybody. And how, how does that work in terms of communication? Have you guys got like daily meetings or is it a, a weekly medical thing? How, how does that look for you guys? Yeah, so we're, for the strength staff, I'm in the weight room with them. So I'm my right next door is our, all of our strength coaches. So that's easy for me, right? I walk out the door and I can kind of talk to them whenever we want. Our athletic trainer and our, our dietitian are all on the same floor. So we're all pretty close to each other. So again, crossing paths constantly. And then weekly, we have a what we call performance team meetings. So it's all the heads of the departments that come in together and we kind of just sit through and kind of talk through what we saw this week what we see coming up in the next future. And then that way we're all on, on that same page as well. Nice. Nice. Um, and then when we, when we dive in a little bit to that GPS stuff, so you were talking about um, how that would work differently for different positions and loads of different reports. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you then start to use GPS data to inform gym based decisions? Because that seems like a really interesting avenue, which I don't think a lot of coaches ne- don't necessarily go down. So mm-hmm. how, do, how do you look at that and how do you use those things to, to implement the, in the gym? Yeah, so the main thing for us is, as strength conditioning coaches, as sports scientists, is it doesn't really matter if they're displaying something in the weight room that doesn't transfer over to the field, right? So you might have the best uh, hand cleaner on the team. He might not have that acceleration that he needs on the field, right? So trying to find avenues that way and comparing them to previous athletes that we know were high performers in their group to figure out kind of where their deficiencies are. So I started this project and it kind of went off of Daniel Bove's uh, quadrant system. I steal a lot of it. I steal that uh, quadrant system for a lot of his stuff. But as we're going, he, um, we broke it down into top speed and max acceleration on the field during game day because game day is the most important thing, right? So as we're looking at it, we're able to identify compared to people who have been previously drafted through the University of Texas, we're able to kind of see and get an idea of where those athletes are deficient compared to the people that are the high performers in that group. So what that does is it allows you to say, are they fast and can they accelerate? Or are they slow and they can't accelerate? And then the ops, and then the intermediates of those are both. So looking at that, we're able to kind of put them into buckets in terms of what they need most on the field. And then obviously you have to do some extra testing on the backside of that. So if in game day, they, their top speed is 18, but whenever we're running in training, they're only running um, 17, then we know that there's an issue with how we're implementing it in game day. So that might be reactionary. That might be processing that might be knowing the playbook whatever it might be but it kind of just gives us an avenue of how we can kind of track everything down and try to help this athlete perform better on game day and make him match what he's on the what we're seeing in the weight room and when when you get into a situation where you're like you know what this guy is uh, deficient in whatever it might be how do you then start to use that data and then adjust things so if, mm-hmm. if let's say you've got someone who's um 
poorer acceleration, how would you then yeah. look into the gym to, to try and solve that issue? Yeah, so like I said, we have we can collect data on basically anything. We have force plates, we have a waveform, we have all, and we can kind of test everything and see where the see what the uh, see what's holding the back the most, right? So if we're looking at an acceleration type thing, we need to see is it just a starting acceleration or is it just overall power development? So we can start to t- tackle and see where they compare to themselves and kind of track that progress as we're going as well. But then we have to relate all back to the first thing, right? If we're improving in the weight room, but we're still not improving on the field, then we still need to find that next area to figure out what we can do to help them improve. And you, you're doing similar stuff as well for the conditioning sessions, right? So when, when you take the uh, GPS data from a, a game or from the whole week, how do you use that to inform your decision-making around conditioning? Yeah, so there was a group that started this as well in uh, Mississippi State. They looked into this, and what they did was they basically did a principal component analysis or a PCA analysis. Um, and looked at it and grouped athletes together based off of um, what their game day demands were, right? So it makes sense. We want to start training guys to be prepared for game day because that's the most important thing. So what you typically see in American football is we have the offensive linemen and defensive linemen do something completely separate from everybody else in their position group. Wide receivers are running more because they need to sprint more, things along those lines. But what we saw whenever I did it and when that group did was that they found that there's actually a lot more crossover than just offensive linemen need to train like offensive linemen, defensive linemen need to train like defensive linemen. What you kind of see is that there's a difference in demands, especially just like in um, soccer or football, as everybody else around the world calls it. There's different formations, right? We run on offense, you can run a myriad of different formations. And each time a formation changes, that changes the responsibility of that offensive lineman, of that running back, of that wide receiver, right? So, and even on the defensive side of things, there's a myriad of different formations that you can run on defense. And each time you change, we might have two guys that are considered linebackers, but one's an edge linebacker who's closer to a defensive lineman. And then we have might, might have a Mike linebacker who's more closer to a traditional linebacker. So just because they have that uh, position code next to their name doesn't mean that they all need to be trained the same. So what Catapult allows us to do is really try to figure out, okay, what are their demands on game day? And kind of move forward as we go through that. I think that's uh, that's very interesting, and then that I assume leads to individualized conditioning training, right? So um, whether that's more acceleration based stuff or whether it's uh, maximum speed stuff, that that changes based on um, what they're actually outputting and what the the team demands from them as well. I imagine. Right, and that's kind of the thing. The biggest thing for us is we have on our roster right now during camp we have 110 athletes. So take that back to what I said earlier. We only have five strength condition coaches. We do have some interns, and then there's also me, right? So we can't get individual to each individual person. We also only have 65 catapult units, so we can only gain insight on 65 guys. But for the most part, we can start to group these guys together and find the most optimal way to train the most people, basically trying to do the most good while staying without trying to run ourselves into the dirt. Awesome. So I think that sound, it's, yeah, it sounds like a really useful tool for you guys and you're using it really well. Um, and I know that you, you're using it as an auditing tool, right? So it keep, keeps you honest. Like how does, um, how does using it as an auditing tool mean uh, or, or make sure that coaches are actually hitting the goals which are set in the periodization? How do you make sure that that's really happening? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing you kind of said, and I want to make sure that this gets emphasized, is you have to have a goal, right? 
if you're trying to do this, if you're trying to set it, if you're trying to use an as an auditing tool, and you don't have a goal, then you're basically just trying to drive somewhere without. You're using a map, but you don't have a destination, right? So the biggest thing, the first thing you need to do is you need to set a goal. The second thing is, is if we're working a max velocity day, right? We're working out, we're sprinting. All of our wide receivers, cornerbacks, uh, running backs are out there sprinting for the day. What we can see is that did we actually hit above ninety percent, like how we t- like how we need to to be able to improve that top speed, right? We need to have that intensity. We need to make sure that the guys are rolling. We need to make sure that we're working in those zones that are going to improve top speed. So what we can do is you can use that live. You can monitor live and then get the data into your laptop immediately. Or we can do it after if you don't have enough uh, resources to kind of do that. So what we're able to see is did we actually get out of the day what we wanted? Um, and that could be for any type of, and that's in training, right? So if we're looking at training specifically, but if we're looking at the game week as well, you can say, okay, we had wanted this much volume. We wanted this much intensity of whatever it might be. And then we can just double check and make sure we can do projections on the front end to make sure we're going to get there. Then on the back end, we can double check and just say, hey, coach, we overshot it a little bit too much on volume today, but our intensity was right about where we wanted it to be. So at the end of the day, if we're earlier in the week, then that's pretty probably pretty, it's okay. If we get towards the end of the week, we do a little bit too much volume to less intensity, then we're probably going to have some more issues as we go forward. I think that's uh, some excellent advice and it probably gives food for thought for a lot of people using this kind of software to uh, to make sure they're using it in the, the best way possible. So Mitch, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find more information from you if they're uh, they're interested? Yeah, so I'm not too active on social media. I usually use it as a learning tool or whatever it might be. They're more than how I'm more than happy to have people email me. Um, my email is just mitch.chalwinski at utexas.edu. Um, and if you could link that in the show notes wherever you put it, then more than happy to talk through all of this with anybody. Perfect. Thanks very much, mate. It's been a pleasure talking and I look forward to speaking soon. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Thank you again. Cheers, buddy. Bye. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Mitch for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get your hands on some more sports science information, you can click the link in the show notes completely for free and get in the Coach Academy for seven days. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it would be brilliant if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.